You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to Star Wars Rebels Alert, the Nerd Room's podcast after show where we recap and discuss each and every episode of Star Wars Rebels Season 4. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Troy. Now we're coming at you guys a little bit late here. We're going to be talking about episodes 5 and 6 of Rebels. Now we realize that at this point, as you're hearing this, that the season or mid-season finale has now aired and we will get caught up with that. And I have to apologize on the behalf of both of us because we have been absolutely getting crippled under real life work. Now we'd much prefer to be here talking Rebels and podcasting away our lives, but unfortunately we need to supplement our collecting with a bit of external funds. (laughs) So that is a bit why these episodes are coming at you guys a little later than expected. And now we have the mid-season finale. We have a bit of an opportunity to catch up on this. So today we're going to be talking The Occupation and The Flight of the Defender. Now, these are two episodes that are buried in the middle of this first run of episodes. And we're getting these two at a time, an hour at a time for Star Wars Rebels. In contrast to what we've gotten in the past with each episode airing once a week. Now, how are you feeling so far now that we're about halfway through what will be this final season of Rebels of 15 episodes? How are you feeling about how Disney XD is actually airing these? It's it's okay. It's okay. You know, it is nice to sit there and, and watch these shows for an hour. You get an hour worth of, uh, of content. But at the same time, I kind of feel like I'm getting an episode of filler and then an episode of story. That's yeah. kind of how I'm feeling right now. Yeah, a little bit of build up to that episode. So you seem to be one continuous arc, which is a little different than we've seen in the past with Rebels, where you do have a couple episodes that tie loosely together that build to something. And then you get a break with what we were calling filler episodes in the past. And then you pick up that main thread here. So as we're getting into the occupation here, I find myself more and more attached to this particular season because of how they're embedding it within the original trilogy. I'll never tire of seeing the ghost come out of hyperspace towards Yavin. I love the fact that this whole season is going to be centered around the rebel base on Yavin and that we're seeing more of that rebellion that we're used to with Mon Mothma leading this and kind of this almost disjointed idea of what they are and how they're going to progress we saw in the past episodes as we're having discussions with mon mothma about the direction of the rebellion and why we aren't going back to lethal and we see some of that develop here in the occupation with the actual title referring directly to the occupation of lethal now this episode is really based around some of ezra's angst and his struggles of guilt over Lothal and why he hasn't been able to convince the rebellion to go back there. Because when we do get a transmission from an old friend, an old rebel friend of his, Ryder, he is now detailing how 
the Empire is amping up this TIE Defender program, which seems to be the underlying threat for the remainder of the season. This is Thrawn's project. This is his Tarkin Initiative project. So as we're seeing how this is developing and how this season is really driving towards one large arc, how are you feeling about how they're setting up what appears to be this final arc, this final push on the Thrawn story and the TIE Defenders in the early parts of this episode? Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I like how you know we're kind of getting focused back onto uh, Lethal. Yes. Too, right? Like that's kind of becoming uh, almost a character, and there's a lot of interest. It seems like into this planet, so that's pretty cool. I do like how you know you had like um, Krennic, who had his project that was essentially under Tarkin, and then yeah. now you also have uh, Thrawn, who has this this other project that's under Tarkin. So that's pretty neat, and um, I'm I'm glad we're we're kind of bringing that a little bit more to the forefront. So. This is okay. So far, this is all right. Yeah, I'm liking this. And in this early stages here, we get some nice interaction between Mon Mothma and Ezra. And she really volunteers them to take this assignment to go out and try to investigate a bit more into what this TIE Defender could be. And it's quite a shocking revelation that we get a little bit later on the episode as to what Lothal has actually turned into this essentially this dying planet from this major occupation and it was a bit shocking to me because like you said Lothal's become a pivotal planet within this series it's kind of where it all started and appears to be where it's all going to end so I like how they're building this arc up a bit and what this is actually going to be going forward I like that they're going to kind of come full circle with this storytelling with Ezra's storytelling and we're getting some indications here. I don't know. I, I'm always trying to think about how they're going to end Ezra Bridger in this show. And one thing that they start to lean on a bit more is that Ezra wants to stay on Lothal and defend Lothal. And we know from Rogue One that Scarif was actually the, the first big victory for the Rebellion as a whole. So coming out of the back end of this, I'm starting to, the, the gears are turning in my head that is it that they don't have the victory that we're expecting them to have at the end of this series? And Ezra actually stays on Lothal and defends it much in the same way that maybe Sabine goes back to Mandalore and defends that and kind of removes herself from the original trilogy timeline. What are your thoughts on that idea? And what are you thinking now as we progress more with Ezra's story? Because we're starting to center around Ezra a lot more as we shift the focus back to Lothal and back to Thrawn. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, he definitely seems like his allegiance is tied to Lothal, which is great. But even still, with all the chaos going on during Rogue One and, and Episode Four, you'd still have to think, where is Ezra? And, yeah. I mean, obviously, this planet isn't destroyed because the first planet to feel the wrath of the Death Star would be um, uh, Jeddah. Jeddah, right? yeah. Yeah. And Scarif. Yeah. It's Scarif, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, but there's definitely going to be some connection here with him and Lothal. I just, I'm curious to see how they play this out. It seems like, like, are we going to get a season of this guy on Lothal? Like, the whole show? Like, is, is it can't possibly take place all on Lothal this season. But for the final season, I don't know. I had some ideas when we go into the Flight of the Defender as this episode really bleeds into episode number six as well. As to the impact of the Lothwolves and the Lothcat, like, I had a, a theory going into this. And I was really banking on what I saw in episode six to really back that up. But apparently, as you move forward into episodes seven, eight, and nine, you get some resolution on that particular character. But it seems like even from the trailers that a lot of this last part of at least the mid-season up to the mid-season finale, yet 
Now I haven't seen the last, the next three episodes yet, but it seems like the focus, yeah, has shifted to Lothal, and I don't really see them moving too far away from that because you now have this Lothwolf arc or whatever that's going to be is taking place on Lothal. You have the defenders, the Tide defenders, and what seems to be Thrawn's last stand within this TV show, at least on Lothal, and you have the focus of the show really shifting to Ezra and him having this guilt and this need to go back and defend Lothal and liberate Lothal like he had originally promised, going all the way back to season one, where it all began. So I think you might be right. We may be seeing a lot more of this, because I'm actually quite surprised that we're actually getting to this already. I thought we were going to spend quite a bit more time, at least up until the mid-season finale, off of Lothal and away from this battle of Lothal that we're all expecting to come, this last stand of what would be maybe the ghost crew or the ghost crew as we know them against Thrawn because we don't see the TIE Defender in the original trilogy. So there's some expectation from me that you see the end of the TIE Defender within the series itself, which means that they essentially destroy what would be the factory that Thrawn is now operating. Right. Yeah, that's fair. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. And because we're kind of coming out this perspective and not seeing the subsequent episodes that are already aired as we're discussing this, <laughs> we may end up down a path that later on when we record episodes seven, eight, nine, that we are kind of way off base. And it seems that I'm a little off base with what we're going to talk about in Flight of the Defender as well. But as we move through this episode, we do see the Ghost Crew gearing up as a whole again. I like this. I like seeing all of them, even with Callus and Rex, make that almost pilgrimage back to Lothal. And we're not having so much the separate arcs of the individual characters. Yeah, we're getting the individualized stories, but they're always together. We're not seeing two of them going off on an own mission where everyone else stays on Yavin. It seems to be very ghost crew centric. And all of them head back to Lothal with the exception of Rex and Callus, which I like. I like that they kind of kick it around on the ghost as they move forward in this story. So... Once we get onto Lothal, we see the devastation of it all, which I said was quite shocking to me that they actually gone that extent to that extent of it. But how they actually get on to Lothal, they go down this smuggler's path with a character that we've seen in the past. And <laughs> sometimes I find that this show is, is great. I love it all the time. But when you throw on like bouncing pigs and all this, this what they're smuggling on, it has a tendency to just kind of pull me out just a little bit, a little bit much sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 goofy. I think was it was the last season we had um a whole episode on these these balloon pigs. These, yeah. These, yeah, which is which is a little weird. And then you get this show, and it, you know we're, we're just seeing the state of Lethal and, and how it looks, and it's all it's pretty serious. And then you get these these pigs. Is it pigs? Yeah. Yeah. yeah which it just it, it gets a little goofy for me. And sometimes I wish we could kind of get away from that. But I again I get. It's Disney XD, so we kind of have to keep it kid-friendly. But then at the same time, they'll give us like some serious matters where it's like the playing fields are uneven sometimes, right? But apart from that, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, the, the tone shifts back and forth through the season. Like you see this with Ezra, and we've mentioned yes. this numerous times, the consistency of the character. Sometimes he's a goofball, and sometimes he's very serious. And then you go from a very serious moment about the devastation of the Thal, and then you swing back over to these floating pigs right so it's yeah. <laughs> again i acknowledge the fact that this the demographic the main demographic is children for this. this isn't made meant for you and i yeah. although we both do 
or have grown very fond of it. It's it's sometimes just that the tone shifts around a little bit too much for me. But overall, it's it's fun. It's 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 good Star Wars fun. So I'm never yeah. going to criticize it too much on that. It's just as we go through this, we have a tendency to nitpick just a little bit. <laughs> now, once we get onto the thaw here, we get into the, the streets. Everything's deserted. We see a lot of propaganda, a lot of flags. I really like that aspect of it. I really like almost the set design of Lothal and how they've developed this into basically this barren wasteland of a city. But one thing that I've been noticing in this season in particular is the Death Troopers have become somewhat of a fixture in the galaxy. Now, for a group of characters or a group of stormtroopers that we've never seen outside of Rogue One, do you feel like they're leaning too much on the Death Troopers or do you like their presence? Because personally, I'm, I'm quite fond of them and I like seeing them in this series. Yeah, I like it. I, I like it. And I think, you know what, uh, use it as much as you can for this season because I feel like we're probably not going to get them. You probably don't see them after Rogue One. No. So it's kind of cool that they sprinkle them all throughout um, this season, it looks like. They're using them quite hard. I, I like their um, their voices that these yeah. guys use. They, they do seem a little more superior, even though you go back to the last episode, we're kind of lost in, in their, um, their their expertise in the matter of their, of their rank. But um, yeah, I, I like them in this episode, and I, I do like the fact that we are getting more Death Troopers. Yeah, me too, because it seems like they're even leveraging their expertise more in this season of Rebels than they did in Rogue One, because they kind of, they looked awesome, they were meant to be this elite squadron, and they're kind of just taken out at the end of Rogue One really quickly here. But you see this Death Trooper essentially leading these troops through the majority of this battle that they eventually do have down in the tunnel. So I like seeing them propped up as something a bit more superior. And they're always flanking with the target initiative individuals like Thrawn and Krennic and all that. So I like how they're building this lore into Rebels and kind of expanding on these characters. And I want to see more Death Troopers. I'd love to see a version of them in The Last Jedi or something to that effect that we've seen this evolution of the Stormtrooper into the First Order Stormtrooper. We've seen the First Order Snowtrooper. Give us the First Order Death Trooper. I'm really looking forward to that. Probably not going to get it, but it'd be pretty cool to see that evolve into something different down the road. Yeah, shoot, that'd be pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Another nice Rogue One nod that we do get in here is the hover tanks. Now, I had a hard time looking. I was trying to do some pausing in that because I thought that we did get some hover tank pilots as well. Now, these are the guys directly off of Jeddah from Rogue One. But it looks like they're probably just all stormtroopers that we are seeing in this episode i would have liked maybe a bit more of a nod to the the hover tank pilots but again that's me being wishful that's me and not really the the tv show's fault but as we move into the kind of the next and last phase this big battle that we do get at the end of this episode we see them kind of running through the tunnels here we've got the probes which i always love to see i love the sounds of them and this big fight what are your thoughts on the action piece for this fifth episode in this season this is good. This this is something I've always been mentioning, uh, especially going into this season, is the animation. It's it's great. You know, I really do appreciate what they do here. This is basically when we get the um, um, was it like the lights are, are beaming down on Kanan and Ezra? Yeah. Here? Yeah. So this is this is pretty cool. I liked it. it Works for me. Yeah, me probably too. One of my sorry, probably one of my highlights. I'd say actually for this whole episode, for the first half, or I guess. And Flight of the Defender. It's kind of one episode. One episode, yeah. So I'd say for yeah for the occupation, this is my favorite part. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And you see the Ghost Crew working together, and and you have the the different groups that eventually do come together at the end, and they are rescued 
in a U-Wing by Ryder, which I really like the return of this character. He really thinks that the Rebel fleet is on the way now that he's seen Ezra and Kanan and Hera and that, but he is sadly mistaken. They've been sent to basically do reconnaissance work and he now really stresses to him that the main goal of this is to take down this TIE Defender factory. Overall, I think this is a good episode. It's a nice, like you said, it's not, I wouldn't call it exactly a filler, but it's a primer for what we're getting in the next episode. You can almost call these two episode arcs as what we're getting. You see a lot more of this in the Clone Wars, and it seems to be leveraging that type of storytelling more in this season than they have in the past. So I, I like what they did here. We did see them lean a bit more even on Kanan making a play for Hera. They go in for a little bit of the kiss and are interrupted. So I'm hoping to see a bit more of that develop. They've really been pushing hard on that. They've really been teasing this. I hope we don't get to a point where Kanan kicks it before they actually give this a bit of time to soak with fandom. Because I think you're going to piss off a lot of people <laughs> if they never have that opportunity to express their true feelings for each other. Now, I sound like a bit of a sap, but I'm really pulling <laughs> for Kanan and Hera at this point. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they, they're hitting it strong with their, um, their relationship now. Um, the first couple seasons, we didn't really get much of this. I know, obviously, you go back no. to the a new dawn a new dawn they touch on that i think a new dawn is yeah new dawn yeah yeah but um yeah but for the cartoon series we didn't really get much of that so it's interesting that they're really trying to wrap that up with their with their relationship and it seems like kaden's trying to step his game up since uh you know pretty callous is yeah <laughs> <Hot> callous <laughs> callous yeah no no we're five episodes into the season and we've had really no Thrawn. Now we do get him coming into Flood of the Defender, making his presence felt in episode six. But were you surprised how coming off the back end of this episode that we have yet to see Thrawn in any major capacity? No, no, I think it's, I think it's been okay. Um, Cause we haven't really got much of him except for the part with, when he's a hologram. Yeah. Right. So that works for me because I feel like Thrawn, you kind of, he works best when you sprinkle him in doses, but he has to hit hard when you sprinkle him in. Um, we can't have too much, especially because it's the last season. I don't want too much of the, the passive-aggressive Thrawn. I really want him in there striking and, and really getting the job done. And, and out for blood. That's that's the Thrawn I want right now. Yeah, well, he has a moment, and it may be a slightly more ridiculous moment, in Flight of the Defenders. And we're going to get into talking about that right now. Like we said, the episode, The Occupation, bleeds directly into Flight of the Defenders. And this episode is is also interesting because it plays with a couple different themes that we did see in the trailer. Now we get a bit more development on this TIE Defender arc that we are seeing, but we are now starting to see a bit more of this white loaf cat and this white loaf wolf. Now this is a bit of an interesting angle within Star Wars Rebels, and I had thrown a theory out there that they were actually more of a force vision from Ezra and that he was going on some sort of quest force quest and the Loth wolf and Loth cat were something that were guiding him through this. And this is where you're going to get maybe the appearance of Ahsoka in some sort of force form. Now, when I watch this episode and as we go through this, I see a lot of that in here, but apparently as we go into episode seven of that, that kind of gets a bit disproven, but did you find when we're going to talk right here about the Loth Wolf, even though it's a bit later on in the episode and it's kind of strung through the whole thing. But did you find that the Loth Wolf, that they tried really hard to make you think that only Ezra was seeing it? With Sabine passing out at one point, 
with no one else seeing it when it takes them back to Ryder's base. Like, were you getting that impression or was I trying so hard to see my theory that I didn't catch anything else? Oh no, they definitely made it that way. They definitely made like it's made it out like it's all in uh, Ezra's head. Um, you know, they had that whole scene when he, with the wolf knocks out Sabine. Yeah. Obviously, that little ride and then he's appears in front of his, his fellow uh, teammates the ghost crew and then nobody and then they turn around and nobody sees this this wolf but obviously like we mentioned going further later on um that changes people do interact with this wolf but again going back to ezra ezra does have that force power at least they made it clear in the first season that he can interact with these these beasts or animals of some sort right so yeah. he has some kind of bond some kind of connection with uh with animals yeah he does and i don't know why they tried so hard to make you think that no one else could see this. Right. And it, it, I guess it creates kind of an air of mystery to these individual animals. And the it just, I, I was really excited because I was like, oh my God, I finally got a theory, right? Right, force tripping. I actually, yeah, force tripping. I actually put it up on the TSW VIP Facebook page. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited about this. It's, it's all coming true. And someone pointed out, well, the promo for next week shows everyone seeing the wolf. So <laughs> I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Did you catch that nod there? Uh, first introduction with uh, the Loaf Wolf. Um, we see the cat kind of appear above his head. And yeah. it looks like, obviously, uh, Soka's you know, tentacles of some sort. So it yeah. kind of looked like they're trying to play with that aspect too again, which is which was interesting. I think it's just a wink. I don't know. But I did catch that. I'm sure a lot of people did. Yeah, because there's some people making, and myself included, but there's some people trying to link up maybe the Loth Wolf or the concept of it with Dave Filoni and Ahsoka making a reappearance in this season. Now, I had connected that almost directly to the Loth Wolf, not in that she was formed or she had taken the form of the Loth Wolf, but that she was connected to this kind of larger force arc. Right. Do you think that we're going to see... Ahsoka, now that we've seen these first few episodes, we're kind of getting the tone. We're starting to see where this is all going to go. Do you think they're going to take a moment to pause and address that scene we saw with Ahsoka at the end of season two? Or are they just going to somewhat leave that ambiguous and maybe address that further down the road? I think they have to address it here. I think they have to wrap it up here. It's, it's Dave Filoni's show. He's created the character Ahsoka and, uh, you know, he holds that character very close to him. I think it'd only be fair that, you know, whatever they did with her here, you'd have to conclude it here as well, yeah. especially you know, with uh, this being the final season. So I think you'd have to kind of sort it out all here. Yeah, I agree. I think that they need to do something and maybe they have in the three episodes I haven't seen. <laughs> but I don't really know because we're running into episodes, right? You got right. 15 episodes in the season. And at the end of those 15 episodes, you have to conclude the arc of Ezra and Kanan for sure. The rest of the crew, you can you can get around by saying they're present in the OT, but not really in those films or around the Skywalker story. But Kanan and Ezra are the big ones, and you're you're leaving yourself with little time here. I'm not like like I said, I'm gonna repeat myself again and again here. Is that maybe we've gotten to this by episode nine, but you're leaving yourself only with six episodes when they return from their winter break to get to the bottom and get to the end of this story and give it a proper send off. And then you also have to close out this TIE Defender arc. So this is a major push within this episode. The flight of the Defender is understanding what sort of threat the TIE Defender poses. We see an early iteration of the TIE Defender. It's got some of this red and orange flare, which I kind of like. Makes me think of The Last Jedi a little bit here. But we get a real 
idea of what this is and why this poses such a threat. It's its speed, its ability to handle, it's got a hyperdrive within it. So this is something that's very different from the TIE fighters that we're used to that are basically just cannon fodder for the Rebellion to shoot down. You throw a million of th these things at people and eventually you're going to break through the line. Well, this seems to be much more of an X-Wing style of fighter. And I think as we get towards the mid-season finale here that you do get the X-Wings. This seems like a good reason to bring the X-Wings into the fold of the Rebellion. Do you agree with that? Do you think that they're really setting up here why they need to bring the X-Wings into the Rebellion? Oh, I think that'd be awesome. I think because we're down ships too, right? Especially after last season. Yeah. They lost five ships that they earned. And so do you think the component that they've taken, that Ezra's taken and hidden, is essentially going to be one of the components that you'd use to make the TIE Fighter? Or sorry, the X-Wing? I don't know. I don't know how they're going to bring the X-Wing into. That seemed to be a real plot point in this episode about them stealing that hyperdrive or the piece, the component that they have for it. Now... That might be something that they utilize because they're also taking a component of the TIE Defender to understand its capabilities and that. That may help down the road with directing their attack or being specific about their attack on the TIE Defenders when they do get the X-Wings. But it's going to be interesting to see how they bring all this in because it seems to me that they're going to go back with this information and Mon Moss is going to say, well, we have this standing set of ships that we've been waiting for the right time to debut and for the right time to show the Empire that we do have this weapon. And that's how they're going to bring them into the fold with the TIE Defenders. Essentially, we're going to have a showdown between X-Wings and the TIE Defenders later on. Because you, you really see them trying to demonstrate the importance of the TIE Defender. And you even have Thrawn actually entering into this episode to oversee the final stages of what I call the TIE Defender Elite. So this is next phase of evolution in this ship. Now, this is our first real appearance of Thrawn in the season. And we get what appears to be a really strange standout moment. You have Ezra and Sabine entering the TIE Defender to steal the component that they need here. And then they get kind of sidetracked by stormtroopers kind of finding out what they're doing here. And they eventually take the ship and take off with it. But as they're doing that, and as they're kind of planning to fly this actually back to Yavin to have the ship itself, now Thrawn stands up and just starts shooting like a cowboy. Yeah. And I don't know how they missed him in the TIE Defender. This thing's supposed to be this elite ship. I'm presuming with fairly accurate aim, not that of a stormtrooper, that of an elite ship. But this seemed like a strange scene. Like, I like Thrawn. I like what they've done. But this was a bit more than I wanted. Like, you don't want to see him cowering away. You almost want to see him stepping aside and letting other people try to shoot this down. Like, it just seemed, again, slightly out of character. Like, he's not that calculating that he can look at the TIE Defender and predict that the spot that he's standing on will never be hit by fire. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't really care for this scene that much. It seemed a little weird. And, and again, a little goofy how Ezra got caught, you know, by yeah. the um, the Death Trooper. I think it's Death Trooper, actually, that, that, that caught him. So I, I thought it was a little, little silly. Um I didn't really understand the angle that Thrawn was going at where he shot down, like, like I mentioned to you before, the, the Saving Private Ryan moment where he's yeah. trying to take down um, this ship. It felt something more like um, more like, like Callus in his early stages could have been here to, filling these shoes because I just feel like the presence and the importance of Thrawn was, wasn't felt here. Like, he didn't feel threatening. No. Like, like we 
that we've had before or that we've been hearing from the books or the, the past um, um, legends, the legend stories of, of Thrawn. So it, it didn't really work for me that well, to be honest. I kind of find a little off tangent to the ship. The ship itself kind of looks a little, little tacky. Don't we like the way they... <laughs> Yeah, I really like the way the ship looks. <laughs> it comes out of Legends, I believe, yeah. the Tide Defender. It comes okay. from a video game somewhere. Cool, cool. But so it has a bit of legacy. I agree with you. It looks a bit funny. Yeah. And you know, with with Thrawn right now, like because he hasn't been in until this this sixth episode, and what he does here, and then later he says, "I this is a good chance for me to kind of view how this actually fights, and if Ezra or Sabine can actually." fly this thing then a fully trained pilot will do great at this Mm -hmm. so they kind of say like oh thrawn's actually thinking about this from a different angle which is is very thrawn very thrawn from the book but they they just for me that for this to be his first entrance into the season and this is kind of what he gets as far as a small arc in this episode Ah, it just didn't work for me. You know, I love yeah. the character. I'm really hoping he gets his dues before the end of this season. I'm really hoping he doesn't actually die and they do more <laughs> with him. But overall, yeah, his appearance was slightly underwhelming. It should have been more. If they're waiting until the sixth episode to show him, it should have been bigger. He should have had more impact on the story. Like, even if it's, I don't know, finding Ryder and killing Ryder or something to that effect. I know that's going a bit dark for a Disney XD show, but he really has no impact on this episode. Yeah, no. See, I think and I think he needs some of those moments because you know, if we do end up killing off, if we as if I'm we're behind this show, but if they do end up killing off Thrawn in this show, in this series, this final uh, season here, I think it'll be a letdown. I think it'll be quite a bit of a letdown if they keep up his his mentality like this. He needs to be a little more cutthroat. He needs to um carry that weight that importance that he does from the books and from legends because right now if you were to kill thrawn off at this point i think a huge fan base would be pretty let down oh i and i'm one of them i'm yeah. right there like they need to do more with this character now we're getting this thrawn alliances book later and we don't exactly know when that set is that set after rebels and we're probably gonna not get that information until this season is actually done to avoid any sort of spoilers but I'm hoping for a bit more. This, like I said, was a bit of a letdown for his first appearance in season four. He had quite a bit of momentum coming off of season three. And I like, for the most part, what they did there. So I'm hoping we get more of him going forward. And like you said, he has to feel like a threat. In this episode, we did not get that. We didn't even really get that, at least for me, from the TIE Defender. Like, we got the impression that it was a superior and elite ship. But being that Sabine and Ezra really infiltrated... And stole this ship, more or less, and to the point where they had to self-destruct it in half an episode. Like, I'm still not getting the big threat on Lothal, the big threat of the TIE Defenders. So when you talk about Mon Mothma earlier on in the occupation being like, we have to make the right decisions. We have to go to the places that pose the biggest threat. Right now, outside of that first emotional moment where you do see Lothal all beat up and essentially dying... I'm not getting the threat that I think we should be that is building up to this what could be a final battle of Lothal. Mm-hmm. So they need to work on that. I think overall, both of these are fairly good episodes. I was quite engaged with it. I like what they're doing with this Lothwolf thing. It intrigues me. I'm looking forward to the next few episodes to sitting down and watching them and understanding a bit more because we did have this little tease here. He does say dune or doom which is caleb doom right this is the original name yeah that's the original name from the yeah comics. exactly yeah. so 
I, I at first I was like, okay, I think that's what he said. I rewound it quite a few times, and so it seems to be hinting towards Kanan, and I, I don't really know where they're going with all this, but I'm intrigued by it. It's a little bit Star Wars adjacent for me. Like it's it feels a bit weird. It, it's it, mystical. Yeah, it, but yeah. It, it fits the series. And if it gives a little bit more insight as to what's going to happen to Kanan, what's going to happen to Ezra, I'm all for that. I'm confident in Filoni inserting this into the narrative because it has a much bigger meaning behind it. It's not just something that he tossed in there just to kind of fit what would be a younger or skew younger for the Rebels audience. So I'm excited to see episode seven, episode eight, maybe gets a bit more resolution in that. I'm not sure. Have you watched them yet? Um, episode seven. Yes. Okay. Yes. I have watched episode seven. I just haven't watched episode nine yet. That's okay. So, well, I guess like that more or less wraps it up. So overall, what is your thoughts on the occupation and flight of the defender? Not bad. Um, not the worst in this season so far, not the best. I still have to give it to the, the episode Sagura. Um, I really appreciate that episode. I felt like that set the tone and that felt like initially to me, that should have been the uh, season premiere. Yeah. I agree with you. Season. Yeah, so that one's, um, for right now where I stand, that one set the benchmark high for this season. So I'm waiting for something to take that place. Uh, But overall, yeah, not a bad episode. Some good animation. We do get Thrawn, which is great. The Lothwolf is is intriguing. And I really want to see this mystery, how it unfolds. And then what connection does it have with Kanan? And what connection does it have with Ahsoka? So, yeah. all in all, not a bad episode. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I'm feeling the same way. This m- season is moving fairly quickly. Like we said, we're getting to aspects into into parts of the season that we didn't think was going to come until episode 10 or so. So they're moving really quickly through this, which you know scares me, but also gives me a bit of comfort that they're actually going to address a lot of the things that we want. We called this less of a season of conclusion and more of a season about wrapping up some of those key arcs. So I don't think we're going to get a conclusion to every single thing that we're hoping. But as long as they address Ezra and Kanan, I think that's the important thing to do. And this Lothwolf arc seems to be stepping in that direction. So I'm excited to see what happens there. But overall, great stuff. Still loving Rebels. Even though we nitpicked this a little bit, I think this is going to end on a great note, on a high note. I'm really excited and I have the confidence in Filoni that he's going to take the opportunity to end this on the terms that he wants to. So we apologize for this not coming out exactly as planned, but overall we're going to get to discussing these in these short form podcasts. We're trying to keep these to about half an hour or so and just kind of running through these episodes at a high level and pointing out the things and the specifics that we want to discuss and we think are important for going forward in Star Wars Rebels. All right, man. Well, until we are back at the table to discuss episodes 7, 8, and 9 for Star Wars Rebels Season 4, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for joining us on Star Wars Rebels Alert. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.